we'd hung out two days in a row at his place. And then I was like, okay, I got to go home, you know, and I got three shows tomorrow. So I probably won't see you till like the weekend. And the next day he texts me. He's like, hey, babe, where are you? You know, are you coming over? And I was like, also, by the way, he lived far. Like at the time that we were seeing each other, I lived in West Hollywood and he lived like South Central, like deep. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Fair. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I was like, and he didn't have a car and he wanted me to Uber there and back. I was like, Ooh. um, I'm not Uber Eats and my coochie to you. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you want to eat the meal, you need to order it. Okay. And <laughs> come pick it up. All right. Come pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> From Emmy winner to open mic, we book the guests that we really like. Releases on Women Crush Wednesdays on every platform that podcast plays. The Comedy Girl Crush everyone. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Kate Siegel. I'm Nikki Urban, and our guest today is the incredible Chelsea Grow. But before we talk to Chelsea, Kate. Nikki. Oh, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. It was, uh, it, uh, we've already spoken to Chelsea, and I feel like that really perked me up. But seeing people really perks me up. But um, yeah. yes, uh, uh, yesterday was uh, Jessica Amal Sherry's uh, uh, memorial or celebration of life. Yes. Um, and uh yeah it was uh that was a it was an experience that is for sure like to be around um to be around so many of her you know her friends and 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 family members and just people who really loved her and were touched by her and like there was definitely a lot of joy in the air um but also you know like a lot of sadness like I'd be like talking to somebody and then just be like cool 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 all right I'm just gonna grab this drink here and be like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I cried uh I cried so much probably yesterday that I uh I had like a really like a migraine at the end of the day although I did drink a lot of wine and it was really hot it was hot yeah Yeah, it was really hot. hot yeah um but yeah, uh, Kate, you came as well. I was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, How was that for you? Because I know you don't know, didn't know Jessica super duper well. We yeah. got to interview her, of course. Yes. Um, yeah. And I wanted to pay my respects. And since I know, you know, so many people who are really close to her, you know, yeah. you know I just wanted to be there to pay respects. Um, it was like we, unfortunately, we, you know, we left right before the the ceremony part itself yes. started. Um, but it was, it was interesting when we walked up, we met her aunt Dottie who was out (laughs) front and like, she just, she reminded me a lot of someone in my own family, you know what I mean? And it like, it was, it was an interesting for me, like, just like as you know, an experience, like it reminded me a lot of my grandma's memorial. My grandma also kind of like lives out in like far Valley, um, similar backyard, like a gate around side the house that you walk into the oh. backyard through, you know what I mean? And yeah. like where I ran into you, that's where my cousins when I would always go to like go smoke weed during family <laughs> stuff, you know what I mean? And so when I ran out into you there and you were going to smoke weed, it just like, <laughs> it like, it was sort of deja vu-y a little bit, like of yeah. my grand and like, you know, my grandma's memorial was sort of similar. We didn't have like a, a, a funeral funeral. We just like did it in her backyard and my family likes to drink and we all drank and yeah. it was like a more of a celebration of life than anything and so it like it felt um like bizarrely familiar yeah you know what I mean I know what you mean Um, I do well I will tell you you missed out on a uh 
a hoot of a, a series of speakers. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me tell you about uh, the the woman who um, the woman Allie. Her name was Allie, and she um, she was Jessica's voice teacher uh, since she was like a you know a kid. Yeah, and uh, she was officiating sort of the event and talking about it and giving you know like giving the like the opening words and stuff. Um, and it was really nice. Uh, she said very nice things. And then she had, uh, you know, she was like, okay, and now if anybody wants to come up and share some words about Jessica, we have probably room, uh, about enough time for like 10 people. And so um, a couple people, you know, went up like her her dad and her, her, um, her uncle uh, came up and, you know, they told beautiful stories and her dad was very emotional. And our friend Tucker did. He, he lives on our complex and he's, you know, really close to Jessica. And then it was like, there was sort of a lull of people not, <laughs> not getting up to talk. Yeah. And it was like, mind you, there were like 50 people, at least 50 people from comedy who do this for, you know, do this for a living as talking and, you know, and myself included. Um, and it was like, nobody was getting up. And I was like, I'm so emotional. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to get up. But then somebody got up who like didn't, didn't quite know her as well was kind of making the story very like personal like about like herself and it was like I have to get up I have to do this I have to talk about my friend I have to do this like it would be such a dishonor to her for me not to talk about her and how much she meant to me and like I got up and I'm like half half sobbing the the whole time I'm like half sobbing but like and then half like just uh I guess cracking jokes and then also I guess a, a third sobbing, a third cracking jokes, a third um, uh, being very sentimental about it. And uh, uh, I started, <laughs> I had nothing planned, um, but I felt like Jessica kind of like moved through me in that moment and was like, all right, that or like all of the wine <laughs> that I had. Um, but it was, it was cool. Like while I was in the middle of talking, Jessica's daughter, Regina, uh, she was behind me. She's a year and a half. So she's walking and running around Yeah, and she's running around behind me. And like, after a certain, like I realized, Oh, people are just watching her right now. And so like, we're like calling her out. We're like all laughing about Regina being just like taking the stage, like owning this stage. <laughs> and it was so perfect because that was so Jessica, like, and just to see like Regina in front of all of these people who loved her mom and she's just like, no, like, you know, and I know kids are, 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 you know, are super not, are not conscious of like the eyes, but just the fact that like so early in her life, she's like, here I am front center and stage. And I was like, oh man, she's just like her mother Aww. upstaging me whenever she can. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was hard to talk about talk about her but also uh I think important um but I think my my favorite thing was like after I went and sat down I sat over with like all the comedy people and at the end um more people are getting up who like don't know her as well and you know they're sharing these stories that we're all just like that wasn't Jessica and then um bless her soul the voice teacher and her daughter started singing uh singing the song for good from wicked and i don't know what i broke i was 
laughing so hard because it was so just like their voices were so like classically trained and like there was so much like vibrato in their voices while they were singing that it was like this is a character and we're like we're all kind of like looking down all these comedians are like looking down and finally we're like looking up at each other and like (laughs) and I went like I like called across the way to like Kate Rappaport who was on Fembot and I was like Kate Kate and she finally looks and she's like crying and I was like this is a sketch (laughs) (laughs) and we're all like laughing um so it was like it was kind of it was kind of great and then we were given these like candles that we had to blow out and like say one last thing to Jessica and I was like looking at this candle and they're like blow it out and I like was just like my thought to her was like oh we're so writing this and like imagining her laughing and I'm laughing and blowing it out and was like this was this is how it you know this was how it should be like we should have ended this on this like laugh and these sort of characters that are up there yeah that are like you could see in a sketch uh, and I was like that was just perfect like Jessica surrounded herself with such funny funny people and funny situations yeah so, um yeah hard to it's very hard to say goodbye to her because she really was like one of the most impactful people in my life um but I'm okay. We move on and we get, you know, we do the thing. We do the thing. And part of it's because they can't. Yeah. And part of it's because you know that they want you to. Yeah. And like she was my favorite person to play with. Um, truly, truly. Like so much fun. Um, we had so many great fun like bits that we just I don't know it's it's hard to encapsulate a hard it's hard to put it into words when you find that like really special person yeah so um I'm very grateful to have had the time with her and grateful to to have known her for 10 years and you know been in her life and yeah yeah that's where I'm at <laughs> it's, it's just uh trying to like take every day day by day of like how do I move on from this how do I how do I live without this person in my life? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's devastating. But it is. you do get to take her with you to yeah. some extent. Yeah. You get to take every experience that you had together, everything you learned from her, everything she taught you, all of the comedy and the experiences you guys had writing together. You do get to take those with you yeah and those will be with you forever they really will yeah i mean we cluck like chickens in front of millions of people in america that's my favorite thing it is my favorite thing (laughs) it's my favorite thing that exists i've watched that thing like 30 times (laughs) i was so mad when they asked you guys i still yell every time i watch we had I'm a like, full no, dance. you didn't even let them start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh, classic. It's an emotional day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all right. We're going to have new memories. And I mean, yeah. I bet, guarantee you, like, whatever her daughter ends up doing with, you know, in her life, that she's yeah. going to be very funny. It's in her DNA. and Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's going to make her daddy proud. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh! All right. You know who else <laughs> makes me very proud? 
solid transition. No, my brain today. Yes. Uh, well, was it? Was I good? That was good. Uh, hey, hey, let's let's uh, let's get into our interview with the amazing Chelsea Grill. Uh, she's a stand-up comedian, actress, writer, all of the above. Uh, in her special, yes, I can is available to watch. She's also not, got another special coming up, uh, which is uh, it, yes. Hi, uh, everybody. It's called Off the Cane, oh. and um, I'm actually taping it uh, this Saturday. And, yeah. um, the comedy nook which is on melrose so uh yeah i'm looking forward to doing that oh man yeah. that's so that's so cool off the cane was so great i loved it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no yeah yeah yes i cane was such an incredible- oh sorry did i say it? i knew what you meant it's okay girl i, I rounded up don't even worry about it it's, it's all good i knew what you- it's so nice to have you here uh especially uh, for the <laughs> second time yes yes yeah. um, little uh info for the listeners yours truly is not the most technically savvy tech person to ever have existed and uh, uh, we, we didn't record anything. We got 22 seconds of us just like prepping a recording and then nothing. And so yeah. we're back. Chelsea yeah. is, was good enough to come back. Thank you so much for being here again. Yes. And and it's and it's okay. You know, I just, we'll just count that as like a real life conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like just like a get to know you session. Yes. We just came over to my house to hang out for a little bit. It, it was, was chill. Amazing. I had water. And it was amazing. <laughs> So fun. Uh, yes, we offer a fine selection of water. <laughs> Potential podcast guests. <laughs> Look, there's um I see a box of hibiscus tea over yes, there. Yeah. And, yeah. We okay. could offer tea. I need to bring like the tea kettle out here. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. seems like a lot. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we're so glad to have you though. And especially like I'm super stoked that we get to like promote your like special recording. Um because like the what the the recording is on this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this Saturday. Um, uh, so basically, I'm doing uh, doors up doors at seven thirty. Show at eight. Um, and I've got some great people opening for me. Um, like yeah, it's Ni- stacked. Yeah, it's stacked. I've got like Niles Abstin, Chess Carter, Heather Turman, and my host uh, is my fellow Virgo sister Nicole Soul is is gonna be hosting for me. Hell yeah! And um, we're gonna have food offered by Oki Vegan, um, which is great because you know that means everyone can eat it. You know? <laughs> Just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of a lot when it's like, you know, LA is like 18 million dietary restrictions. I'm like, just vegan, right? Right. (laughs) Everybody. Um, But then um, tickets are $25 and I'm uh, doing open bar. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, And I always, um, I've, I've, you know, I like to like mix up a drink or two. So I'm actually going to be making two batch cocktails um, that are going to be available. Um, I usually do like a whiskey one and a tequila one. And uh, so I'm excited. Yeah. Are these uh, your, these are your special recipes? Yeah. You know, I'm very like freestyle when it comes to making drinks. uh, And, um, you know, apparently in my dating life too, very freestyle. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I just like to mix it up. Uh, but yeah, no, so I, I'm definitely, I, I can't stand whenever I go to like a place and like you're paying so much for tickets, you know, and then you have to like buy the drinks and stuff like that. So I, I love, um, you know, just including it in the ticket price, especially when I do an event. I think that makes it fun. Yeah. It's easier for everybody. You don't have to keep like, you know, pulling out your Venmo or pulling out your card. You can just like, okay, I'm in here and I can drink. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yes. totally. I also tend to tip very well when it's an open bar. You know what oh, I mean? I noticed that too. Like <laughs> yeah. I have. I have bartended like you know back in my uh, service days. I, I was gonna ask. 
Yeah. 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 I am. Um, I was uh, I've worked mainly as like a server and a cocktail server, but I definitely have uh, experience like bartending, mostly at like events and things like that. And I love bartending at an open bar because, I mean, the tips are double digits, mm-hmm. honey. OK. Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, we're not paying. We're not paying for this. All right. 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 We'll take that money. Oh, at an open bar. One time I did an event and it had an open bar with like top shelf liquor. Like I'm oh. talking. We're talking Johnny Walker Blue, honey. Oh, wow. OK. Oh. Like now, don't get me wrong. People pay like 50 bucks to get in. But at the same time, like. One shot of Johnny Walker Blue is like $65. Yeah. So really, and they're yeah. still getting a deal. But like, yeah, they had Johnny Walker Blue. They had like uh, Don Julio 1942. It was like oh a God, really, yeah. one of those events. And like, top, when people are, you give somebody just like a splash extra of like some top shelf. <laughs> they're, they're like, oh, you're splash me. I'll splash it back with a little cash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little cash shower. <laughs> That's like the whole thing about having a local bar, right? You get to know your bartender. They get to know your tip. You yeah. get to yes. like like each other, right? It's right. A thing. Yeah. yeah. Bartending is way more fun than serving to me. Like it's so yeah. much fun. You know why? Because um, when you're serving, right? Yeah, it's all about the customer and everything like that. But when you're working, like at a, and, and you have to like, I don't know, you just take such a beating as a server, right? Yeah. It's just such a beating. Like you know, there's just people and they're like, hey, um, hi, sorry, but can we get like 17 more ketchups? I only I only have like one fry left, but I want like 17 ketchups for. You know, oh, and you're right. just like okay like just all your sauces for like these crumbs I'm like there's nothing in the bowl but salt but sure <laughs> i'll bring you 80 more sauces that i'm then <laughs> gonna know? have to throw away and i'm gonna have to throw away but then like you know when you're a bartender like you know i bartend like busy busy bar and like you know those guys they come up and they're like waving their hand in your face and they're like banging the bar trying to get your attention and the best part about that is you can just act like you don't see them and take someone else's drink order right <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best and like no one my manager's not gonna get mad at me i'm serving customers not this guy <laughs> yeah but other customers right right yeah. and every time because everyone wants a drink so whenever i do that mm-hmm. The, the jerks, they usually get the message really quickly and they come over like, I'm so sorry I banged the bar. I'm so <laughs> sorry I snapped at you and I waved my $100 bill in your face. Here's another 100 to make up for it. And you're like, yes. Yeah. Like, bar- you know, apologies for bartenders always include a cash payment. And mm-hmm. that's, oh. yeah. Because people don't want their liquor fucked with. You know they what do I mean? Not. Like, they want their liquor good. They want it strong. They want it often. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you bartend as a part of like working in comedy as like a side hustle or is that something you did before you started doing comedy? Um, so I did that, um, you know, definitely to support myself. Like once I started uh, doing comedy, I don't do it anymore just because, um, I transitioned into like the cannabis industry and then I got, I had, Hell I go, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely more, way more chill. You know, I don't think service industry is something people should do for long term. Like I used <laughs> yeah. to work with people like servers who had been doing it for like 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, what, my old job, one of them would uh, just drink uh taco vodka on his breaks. And the other one did ketamine on his days off. Oh wow. And I was like, you guys have been in this industry too long. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. time yes, yes, for yes. something. Something else like when, when when ketamine is your relief like i just and i don't judge anyone's vices i don't judge we all have them yes but when when you need to do ketamine to serve customers yeah. like I, it's it's time for a new gig yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah ketamine should just be like a fun like once in a while thing that's yeah. not a weekend drug that's yeah. not like a or a weekday drug yeah yeah or before my shift drug or <laughs> yeah. on my break oh, drug <laughs> it's oh, like man. yeah 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 I've never done it. 
what's it like i haven't done it either i have no idea what it is i just know how like my one co-worker who did it all the time and it, it was just like he'd be like okay, i gotta get out of here i gotta, I gotta do some k I gotta do some k and i was yeah. like special k cereal like yeah. what's this right. <laughs> i'm very nice very naive and uh and then he'd come back and be like Woo, all right time to sell some scotch and I'm just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right uh, okay. the thing is it's like a heavy depressant you know what i mean like it's like a horse tranquilizer so it's like a heavy depressant and the idea of somebody being like okay now i'm ready to work on ketamine is just i'm like having trouble yeah i think he, i think it was like a ketamine cocaine combo gotcha like, yeah, 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 yeah he did he did he you know the down or the upper you even it out and, yeah, yeah yeah it's like coffee and a cigarette but mm-hmm. just way more intense yeah Woo! yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, service industry coffee and weed i like that they call that a stoner speedball oh coffee and weed yeah when i was in college uh my friend and i are like when we would write our (laughs) stories our short stories we'd like go to a coffee shop and just like load up on coffee and then go around the back and like smoke a bunch of bowls and then come back and be like we're brilliant (laughs) (laughs) and then you read it back and you're like this is a half a page (laughs) we've been writing for four hours Uh, oh my gosh yeah i've never you know it's funny like um like cocaine right so i've never done cocaine either um again i just just to have it right but it's funny because i actually i i can't do coffee either oh yeah so but the reason they're connected because what happened was I one time I drank a red eye. So for the listeners who don't know, that's just a shot of espresso in a cup of coffee. And I was up for the next 18 hours just like scratching myself and uh, (laughs) trying to convince people to write a screenplay. Like like I was just going up to people. I was like, guys, picture it. The scene is 2001 South Florida. They were just like, is everything okay? Like, what did you take today? And I and I my homies who do cocaine, they were like, "Um, what's wrong with you? Like, are you, you know, that's you know that's the international cocaine symbol just mm-hmm. inhaling mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh i was like uh no no i just you know just went to starbucks and they're like oh if this is you and coffee please don't ever do cocaine because we can barely handle you now yeah. like you've pitched like 10 movies to us in five minutes <laughs> Uh, that sounds kind of delightful, though. Yeah, <laughs> you would have you done really well in the eighties, right? right? <laughs> well, okay, okay, maybe not. <laughs> Guys, I've got thirty movies sit for this. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's kind of chat about how you got into comedy a little bit. Um, where you started? You're from Virginia, correct? Yes, yeah. I am from a, a small town in northern Virginia called Manassas Park. It's literally two and a half miles big. Um, the it's funny because there's like a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not, but the growing up, they told us like the Manassas is like the larger city, and Manassas Park is like this. If you look on the map, it's this little like cutout of it. But the rumor is that like the man who owned the land of Manassas had two sons, and uh, there was like a bet like on you know, and, and I guess oh, a card game. I guess like the son who lost, you know, got Manassas Park, just a smaller section. <laughs> they, oh. He just like carved out a little piece. He had to give up like most of his land rents and so um again i have no idea if that's true if you're from manassas and you're a historian please uh correct me but i don't know that's what they told us as kids um but no i grew up there and um 
it definitely was an interesting experience. I, I'm thankful even though um, I would grew up in Virginia, I still went to a very diverse high school. We had a lot of people from all over the world. We had people from Cambodia, from uh, Uruguay, and um, you know, all over Latin America, as well as like, uh, you know, people that were from like Italy. Like, we just had a, like a very like, and when I say other people, I'm like maybe like one or two students each, but still like, you know, yeah. a just nice yeah. combination. So, was that because of how close to like DC it was? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. mm. we were about we're about like a f- half hour, forty minute drive outside of DC. Unless there's like terrible traffic, then it's like ninety minutes. But you know, okay. yeah. Um, so not that far. We used to go to field trips to DC all the time. You know, I've been to like the Holocaust Museum, the Lincoln Memorial, all of that. And uh, it, it's really nice growing up in that close to DC because. I got into like news and politics at a very young age, oh, right? right. I, you can't avoid it, I'd imagine. You can't avoid it. And it's so cool oh. because you're watching on the news, the local news, and it's like the local news is like national news because it's any, anything that mm-hmm. happens in DC is national news. Um, but yeah, I definitely was a, it was a great place to grow up. I'm glad I didn't, uh, had, was able to like go to the city, but still grow up in like this nice, like suburban kind of community area. So yeah. I enjoyed it. What were you, what were you like? Like, were you like the class clown? Or oh you- man, no, I was not the class clown. You know, I was, I was really going through a lot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my parents got divorced when I was very young mm. and, uh, then I'm, lived with my dad, stepmom and sister. And, uh, it was, you know, it was kind of stressful for like a lot of reasons. Um, I guess, um, I don't know, my stepmom, she, she wasn't, uh, I don't want to say evil stepmom. I don't <laughs> want to say that. Um, but I will say that, you know, we didn't necessarily mesh, right? It just yeah. was like very oil and water kind of situation. Um, so basically, um, I, I spent a lot of time playing sports and doing clubs and stuff like that. Like I was in choir. Um, I did plays. I mm-hmm. uh, played volleyball, basketball, and track all throughout high school. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I was very active. Um, and really, I just was trying to like be out of the house. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I, I feel that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I had like, if if things were weren't as stressful at home, I definitely probably wouldn't have been as active. But hey, you know, whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever gets you into cardio. Uh. <laughs> Who says running for your life is all bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, she and my dad are no longer together, so you know, I wish her well. No hard feelings and everything, but. Uh, yeah it just wasn't just wasn't a we didn't mesh and uh so i but growing up though i so i definitely spent a lot of time in those kinds of activities to escape but i mean i i i got through it you know i didn't i'm i'm grateful that i had like my little uh tribe of people that i was cool with um i never was in like a clique or anything i mean there was definitely like the cheerleader girls and stuff um i actually because when i moved in with my dad it was like fourth or fifth grade and uh I remember the first school I went to, I felt like such an outcast. And I got actually got Regina George um, oh, before no. Regina George was a thing. I was in fifth grade and there was this girl, Brittany Bowman. We'll never for, forget her name. I definitely hope she hears this. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, Brittany Bowman. And I remember like there was this boy, Emerson Ramirez. Um, he was like Filipino and he had this bowl cut. And like, you know, I'm in fifth grade and he was just so cute to me. And yeah. like, and like just, you know, he had like a little bit of swag. Like I didn't even know what swag was, but he had it. <laughs> and you said bold cut, so I'm already yeah. Right? I'm already knowing the swag is there. <laughs> the swag is there, right? And so, um, I remember I saw I I saw him across the playground, and I just was like smitten. 
And uh, I remember one time Brittany caught me staring at him and I, you know, and she was like, so I see you looking at Emerson. And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, do you like him? And I was like, oh, no. And she's like, are you sure? Because if you like him, like, you know, he and I used to date like in third grade. And like (laughs) (laughs) hearing this now, I'm like, this is so terrible. This is just like terrible parenting. Uh, But uh, she was like, yeah, so. You know, I, I mean, I used to date in third grade and we're still friends. So and if you like him, I could put a good word in for you. And I said, oh, would you really do that? Like she's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And so, you know, I went home all excited. I told my sister, I was like, Brittany's going to talk to Emerson for me and da, da, da. And the next day I go out to recess and they are literally holding hands and like making out by the basketball hoop. <gasps> and uh I was in. I was so embarrassed and infuriated. So I go into the bathroom, and then like she comes out of the stall, and she's like, "Hey, Chelsea." She's like, oh, "So sorry about Emerson. You know, I was talking to him and told him you liked him, but he's just not really into you like that." And then he and I reconnected, so we're back together. But oh my god, she yes. was in fifth grade. Yes, this was How in is fifth grade. Humanly possible. Yes, yeah. I will never forget it. She just was like, mm, "So sorry," and I was like, "It's okay." Um, I saw some Facebook pictures of her. You know how like. Facebook will like pop up like, yes, like yeah. Like, yeah when I was in college I think I fa- saw a Facebook photo of her and um, things have changed uh, so, <laughs> for lack of a better word so yes. and I think she definitely has like a, a few kids that you know but like she had them like you know I think in high school which nothing against anyone having kids in high school unless you're Brittany Bowman and uh, you know that's yeah. your karma uh, yes. so, um, but yeah she um so I was like, dang. So when Mean Girls came out, I really related to Lindsay Lohan. I was like, yeah. I got me- Regina George before it was mm-hmm. a thing. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Wow. That is just like a level of maturity that I I, I never reached. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, the same thing sort of happened to me, only it was my sister who did it to me. <gasps> no! <laughs> what? No! Oh, I had the biggest crush on Michael Crespi for years. Oh my gosh, we'd I, never forget these names. Oh no, <laughs> no. And there was, we had built this like, uh, you know, a fort out of like refrigerator boxes. And it was like, oh, like Michael Crespi was going to come over and hang out with me and like meet me at the fort. And I got in there and he was kissing my older sister. Oh, oh no. no! Sorry, she got hers too. So, oh my <laughs> no, gosh. that sounds horrible. She's a very troubled woman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, how much older? Like how? how? Like two two years older. And uh, you were how old when this happened? Oh gosh, I probably was in the fourth grade. So she oh. was in the sixth grade. She was she was pretty fast. If oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, she developed early and. Shit. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's what happened. Brittany Bowman, like yeah. she developed early, yeah. and it was and like, like, oh, she weaponized it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the big question is, where is Michael Crespi now? Oh, that's a that is a good question. I think I saw that he was like a firefighter or something. Oh, dang. Oh, that's unfortunately that hot. hot. Yeah, no, I feel like I need to look. Him up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna do this now. No. Michael Crespi status TBD. Yeah. Stay tuned, yeah. listeners. That's the thing about firefighters because there's there's a weight limit, so they're nine times out of ten hot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, he had the best like, uh, what do you call him? The rat tail. Rat tail. Thank you. Oh, he was like curly. Yeah. Hell yeah. He was like a curly rat tail. Oh, oh yeah, Man. gross. Bull cuts and rat tails. <laughs> that, was, that was the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> listen to us. We're just like, oh, listen. Oh yeah. This like, um, uh, what? Uh, uh, that's not. Uh, by the way, that is not the 
last person that she ever kissed that I was oh had a crush on or slash was dating. Never introduce wow. her to your like a guy you really care about, please. No, well, <laughs> by by this point, I would be worried for the guy if he were more into, if he was like into her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I don't. I don't mean that. <laughs> no, reason. but just like you're you're a dynamite badass bitch, right? I, the choice is clear. Yeah, right. it's pretty obvious. It's clear at this point. Well, <laughs> I was gonna, I was just gonna say she's probably better. S and D's though than me. No, uh, no, but I, that's a skill you can develop. <laughs> Honestly, no, no. This is what it is. This is what it is. Like, I just feel like it's like you got it when you're in that position. You just gotta like commit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that like to S and D's. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the me- the the more the because I tell guys this. I have guy friends. I tell them this all the time. Like, then they'll say like, oh, I feel like my girlfriend's not being freaky enough. And I'm like. Well, does she feel safe around you? Does she make do you? Because one thing I feel like for myself and a lot of women that I'm close with that have expressed is the more safe and the more protected, the more loved and respected a woman feels, the more open we become sexually. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Because, you know, it's like, Nobody wants to like, you know, like spread eagle for a guy that's going to be like, all right, see you later. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to just like it's like the more you, you you feel like, OK, like this is a safe space yeah. that I can really just let go in. And uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, I got I have a, a comedy related question involving yeah. dating for you. Oh, have please. you have you ever experienced um in like dating like jealousy and stuff like uh, like a like a man being jealous of you and you're like shine oh absolutely absolutely um i have um and that's why dating has been so difficult for me too since i've become a comedian i mean it was hard before but now i have an excuse Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i i dated a guy um for about like like four and a half months and like a few years back and uh it's crazy because he was great we had good chemistry and everything but he, I noticed, like, in the beginning, I, I told him I was a comedian. He came to my shows. I took him to a lot of comedy clubs I went to, introduced him to a lot of my comics. And, you know, I just remember one time he got upset because, like, I told him, I said, all right, we'd hung out two days in a row at his place. And then I was like, okay, I got to go home, you know, and I got three shows tomorrow, so I probably won't see you till like, the weekend. And the next day he texts me. He's like, hey, babe, where are you? You know, are you coming over? And I was like... Also, by the way, he lived far. Like, at the time that we were seeing each other, I lived in West Hollywood, and he lived, like, South Central, like, deep, okay? Oh, that's, yeah, that's Right, far. right, exactly. Yeah, right. And I was like, and he didn't have a car, and he wanted me to Uber there and back. I was Ooh. like, um, I'm not Uber Eats and my coochie to you, okay? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you want to eat the meal, you need to order it, okay? And <laughs> come pick it up. All right, come pick it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So he's just like takeout, you know, I don't know. But he uh, and so he, he told me, he was like, he was like, babe, can you, are you going to come? I said, oh, no, babe, I'm going to open mic and I literally have three shows tonight, like back to back. I can't come. And he said, you know, see, this is why you're not going to work because you don't make the sacrifices necessary <gasps> for this relationship. And I was like, sacrifices. I said, we haven't even been together for six months. Like, right. and like, and what are you yeah. right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and he just like, you know, when he broke up, when we broke up, you know, um, well, one, we broke up because I found out that he had been lying. That he wasn't fully um, divorced from his ex. Like, because so, that's oh. the thing. Like, I ask people like I've. Uh, one thing about men is if I ask you something straight up as a man and you tell me something, if you find out you're lying, then that's on you. Yeah. But with men, if you don't ask, 
then they pull the whole, well, you didn't ask. Thing. Right. right. So when I met him, he told me like he and his wife weren't together anymore. And I said, okay, are you divorced? And he said, yeah, we're not together. I said, no, no, no. Answer my question. Like, are you divorced? Like paper signed. Yeah. It's official. Yeah. Not separated. Not none of that. He was like, no, no, we're divorced. We signed the papers. And then maybe like a month after that whole, oh, you're not here for me. You're here for comedy. And I just was like shocked because he told me that he was he was like oh he's still technically married i lied to you um we're not and i knew they weren't living together because i'd been to his house but he said that they were he forgot to sign the divorce papers and he thought he did oh bullshit. i was oh like come God. on like, that's so flimsy it's yeah. so and i was like you know what this is yeah this is where this, this is where i leave you uh yeah. Yeah. but it was so frustrating because you know we did have good chemistry like he was a handsome guy he was black he we connected on like we like nerdy stuff like you know star wars and, and he introduced me to like a lot of cool anime shows i mean we just we just got along like really well but you know it just it just wasn't the right fit and also i, I get i i have entertained guys too and it just when they get to the point where they just want me to like choose them over comedy like i've done comedy mm. for like eight nine years and whatever i've known you for like three months like you can fall back like yeah 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 and and it, and it sucks because i would never ask a, a male partner that i was with i would never ask him to give up what he was passionate about for me or if he's like if he was a musician if i dated a musician yeah and he was like hey babe i gotta go out of town for like a week i got these gigs i would be like okay go like i'm not yeah. gonna i'm not gonna sit there. i have things to do too you know what i'm saying yes 100 yes. yeah yeah it's just like it's so unhealthy healthy and the good thing is is um i i've been through enough in my life to like not give up like my dream for a guy although unfortunately i do have i have met some women and some even some comedians who it's like yeah they have made that choice like they fall in love and you know it always starts off slow their boyfriend's like oh why don't you just like maybe cancel this show tonight you know and before you know it it's like they're saying no to like big opportunities because oh, of their boyfriend's ego and i'm like yeah that's awful like i'm not doing that like i have to look myself in the mirror every, every morning and yeah. be okay yeah you know? oh yeah yeah i when it started to become a thing with my fiance and i like when we were in the first year of us dating like we weren't seeing each other because i was out doing comedy all night he was like well move in with me because I'm still awake like at like three o'clock in the morning when you finish just like if we live together then you'd come home and we'd see each other you know what I mean yeah. and it was like really sweet that was his solution was just like well if we live together then we'd see each other more right <laughs> I was like oh see and that that's a man right there okay that is healthy yeah you know oh my god he's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also set up all our tech for us that shout out to Lauren yes, yes. Um, Thanks, Elle. We appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> big, big, big fan of big Lauren fans around here. Um, all right. Uh, should we get into it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We've right. got uh, we've got a series of five questions to ask you in a segment we call These Are Five Things. Okay, so first question. <laughs> this is where it got good last time. I I'm know, excited. It, it got so yeah. Good. It's okay. If we don't if we don't relive this magic, it's fine. And um, I forgot the questions, so this oh, will be perfect. Oh, great. It'll be totally <laughs> organic. Cool. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, let's see if your answers change. I know. I know. Okay. Who knows? We sprung Who knows? We don't have it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First question is, what's your biggest influence in comedy? 
Um, oh, yeah. My biggest influence is Paul Mooney. Yeah. Um, he is my favorite comedian. Um, I, I think he uh, wrote for Richard Pryor and um, he was uh, featured a lot on Chappelle show. He went for like the Ask a Black Dude segments and things like that. Yeah. But he is uh, he has comedy albums like uh, Race and like Masterpiece. And I, I really love the when you listen to his albums. Uh, I love his cadence. I love how brutally honest and raw he is you know it's just i never never like have i listened to somebody who just like has me so engaged like when i first heard him like that and i love how fearless he is on stage um because when you listen to him like he'll be doing his special and everything but then like he's reacting like you know he has a he has a joke he says on one of his specials where he's like he's like you know uh white people like little bunny rabbits you know uh basically whenever you say something that offends them they just get up and they skirt out and then you can hear a woman like making these bunny rabbit steps and she's like leaving the club he's like see there she go right here he said i hope i hope i hope black people burglarizing your car man when you get there you know (laughs) and it's just like you know um it's true. It's true. We're just like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, but you know, but he was saying this stuff in like 93 and 94 yeah, yeah. when he like, you know, and like not too long around like Rodney King and like tensions were high. And so I just love how fearless he was and how he attacked it and how, he, how unapologetic. I think that's my favorite thing about Paul Mooney. Um, may he rest in peace. He did pass away earlier this year, but uh, he was just an unapologetic comedian. And for me, I felt like I spent a lot of time in comedy my first few years uh feeling like I needed to apologize or feeling like I needed to like minimize myself or minimize my thoughts. And over the years of just like listening to him and just doing the work, I realized I was like, no, like I'm doing a bigger disservice when I, when I do that, when I try to like dim my light or when I just am apologizing, it's like, no, like be brutally raw, honest. Like for me, a sign of success as a comedian would be when I can be as free as Paul Mooney was on stage in my own voice, yeah. you know? Yeah. I only respect him so much. Was Paul Mooney someone you that like inspired you to get into comedy or somebody that you discovered after you started doing comedy? I discovered Paul Mooney after I, like I had heard of him before, but I'd never taken the time to like really listen to his albums until I became a comedian. Um, but I definitely grew up, uh, my father's favorite comedian is Dave Chappelle, and, and Chappelle's one of my favorites as well, of course. Uh, but we definitely grew up watching Chappelle show, and um, like, you know, my sister and I, like, we'd watch, like, Comic View and Def Comedy Jam yeah, and stuff like yeah, that, and yeah. sneak watch those things, so. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, you turn the volume low and, like, sit by the TV, try to listen to the speaker. Totally. But, like, like your version of watching uh, blurry porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, but it's just comedy. It's just comedy yeah. right yeah my sister and i used to sneak and watch things like ren and stimby and the simpsons you know oh, it wasn't we had like, to sneak watch the simpsons too yeah it yeah. was bullshit it was crazy <laughs> and i'm like this i'm like now you look at what kids have access to and you're I like know. the simpsons is mild no. <laughs> my parents were the opposite they were like Chich- oh cheech and chong you're five years old this is fine <laughs> we love this uh, oh that's hilarious that reminds me of the time my dad let the only like really inappropriate thing my dad let me watch was The Exorcist. So he, watched, yes. he let me watch it when I was eight because he was like, oh, it's, it's biblical. And I was like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it? 
Biblical. Oh I mean, my god. It's very Catholic. I'm like, here I am three days later, just eyes wide open, not sleeping. But uh. Uh, Oh my god, brutal. <laughs> what so far would you say has been your uh, worst moment in comedy and your best moment in comedy? My worst moment in comedy actually happened uh, my very first time that I did a booked show. And this was about maybe... I want to say five months into me doing stand up, I had this happen. Uh, I had did a show, and then you know I, I did I didn't you know I didn't know I that I, I, how do I say this? I just basically was doing a lot of very sexually suggestive stuff because I didn't know you know, and it's and a, and a lot of female comics that I've talked to have said that they did the same thing when they first started. You know, mm-hmm. you're just trying to like get attention, or you think you're being edgy, and it's like, but. I just hadn't had enough experience. So when I got up there, I'm like, it was so, it was so hot. Cause you know, it's always hot when you're bombing, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you could be performing in an igloo and it's just like sweat <laughs> dripping down. Um, and I remember like, I felt the sweat coming down and it was like a packed crowd and everyone was just looking at me and like, I saw pity on their faces, like, oh, oh, like oh. pity and pain, you know, it was just like, so bad. Like I actually think I remember when I felt like I was losing the crowd in my mind, I was like, okay, this is my, a big closer right and <laughs> i started like humping the stool and yes. like reenacting mm-hmm. like <laughs> like you know uh, bad sexual positions or something and i just um love a good reenactment uh, yeah yeah they hated it but i mean it was <laughs> a good one if it was good it would be great but what uh what made it the worst is immediately after i had that horrifying set this nine-year-old girl gets on stage and freaking crushes, right? Like she, like, like she gets up there, she's got punchlines, setups, callbacks, things that I didn't even know yet. Like she was crushing it. In fact, and like during my set, I, I actually saw her dad like put headphones on her ears because that's how X-rated and terrible. It's like he was like, I don't know if he just didn't want her to hear like the explicit stuff I was saying, or he was like, this is really bad comedy. I don't want you to be influenced by this. Oh my god, this is not what to do. Like I just I saw that. And then for her to go up there and just like do a, like basically a Conan set, uh, I was just like <laughs> so amazed. Um, I'm LA, sure. LA is a hell of a city. That's yeah. yeah. She was she was so funny and like and that made me feel worse because like I'm sitting there so embarrassed and I'm like wow this girl hasn't even hit double digits but she's definitely hit like triple laughs okay like <laughs> this is so bad um but i actually did introduce myself to that girl and um i've seen her around i think she's like 16 now 16 or 17 but she's still still doing it you know Hell so yeah mm-hmm. wow yeah Good for her, yeah. that little twerp. I know, little twerp. I was like, oh, gosh, nine, really? Yeah, with the full support of her parents. Right. I was like, when I was nine, I was getting Regina George by Brittany Bowman. <laughs> that was a great callback. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, uh, best moment. Um, oh, yes. Um, so um, let's, see, let's see if I can do this without crying. Uh, my last, sorry, last time I talked about this, I got a little emotional, so we'll see how this goes. But my best moment in comedy happened, um, maybe I was about like six years in. I was uh, having a really, really bad day, honestly a bad week or month probably. Uh, but I remember I did a show. I wasn't even going to do the show. 
Um, but I decided to go anyway and I did my set and it was like the most present I had ever felt in comedy. And, and it's, it's funny cause it happened around the time that I was like taking acting classes and I was learning about being present mm-hmm. and learning about being in the moment and getting out of your head and just being right. So I did this set and it was one of my best sets to date at that time. And after I, I got off stage, this like older, like, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge kind of white man starts and he's like, young lady, you need to talk to him right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, when you hear that, like that high pitch, like, I need to talk to you right now. You're like, oh gosh, <laughs> what's happening? Uh, but then I go, I'll go over to the gentleman and I'm like, yes, sir. Um, how can I help you? He said, young lady, you know, I just want you to know I had a really bad day today. He was like, I, I live across the street from here and I come to the comedy nights and I usually hate it. It's terrible because, you know, these comics usually come through really loud and not funny. But he was like, you, you made me laugh a lot. Actually, you were very funny. And he said, I'm, you know, my wife passed away recently and I was just at City Hall all day because they're trying to take my house <sighs> and I haven't been sleeping in like months. I'm barely getting sleep. And he said, but I think after seeing you perform tonight, you made me feel so good. I think I'm going to have one of the first good nights of sleep in a really long time. Oh, yeah. Aww. So, I mean, that was a very powerful moment for me because it reminded me. And I think at the time, like I was really broke because like the IRS had come into my account and taken a bunch of money out. And I was like overdrawn and I was behind on rent and I was like stressed out. And like I was fighting with my my dad at the time. I was just everything was just bad. But somehow, like in the moment, it's like when I do comedy, it's like everything just fades away. and You're just present. But when that man said that to me, honestly, it just was like life changing. You know, it just like because it reminded me of why I fell in love with comedy in the first place because it's like yeah like that's why my sister and I would sneak and like watch comedy because like when our parents were going through divorce and there was family drama like that was our little escape is like just put on some comedy and laugh and then you forget about everything you just like and I'll never forget that man like I wish I had asked his name but you know he 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 changed my life because he just just the fact that I was like you know that's why I do this you know it's comedy really is healing in all forms whether it's written performed or watched or whatever it's just like it it, it matters and what we do matters and the fact that, that and sleep is such a powerful thing you know we all need it and mm-hmm. I know I know what that's like to have trouble falling asleep but the fact yeah. that that man told me he's gone through all these terrible things and my set and on top of the fact i love the symbolism the fact that he was like an older white man and i'm a young black woman and there's just 40 50 years prior like we wouldn't have even been really in the same room together like in a situation like that i probably wouldn't have even been allowed oh oh it's okay sorry it's okay girl the devil trying to distract we go bring it back bring it back this is a message it has to get through (laughs) yeah so that for me and i've performed on some amazing shows some amazing comedians i've had some great sets but that is my best moment in comedy hands down i'll never forget that and i really am grateful that that man took the time to say that to me and uh i'm i'm glad that my gift was able to help him in that way yeah you said you weren't gonna cry. I cried a little bit. Oh, I saw you. <laughs> no, I cried a tiny bit there. Uh, it just transferred. It's like, but, I mean, because it is like laughter. I mean, laughing feels so good. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It really does feel so good to laugh. And so, yeah, if you can give somebody that when they're really struggling, 
yeah, like that, you know, that mental relief for just that amount of time. Can, mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea that that can like help you kind of get through a good night's sleep is just it's such a beautiful sentiment. And like, I'm, I am so glad that he took the time to tell you that too. Cause I think that, you know, if you get touched by someone's comedy, maybe it's like embarrassing or you don't want to tell people or something, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it can really make a, a difference if you tell someone how much they're like what they did and what they said and their jokes and how they made you feel like meant to you. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if it was like, if I read this or watched this, but I believe Jerry Seinfeld had said that like he had done um, a show one time and somebody came up to him afterwards and said that they were planning on committing suicide that day. But then like, why does they were like, I guess setting up for their suicide, a friend of them hit a friend of that person hit them up and said that they had an extra ticket to see Jerry Seinfeld. And that person who was con- contemplating suicide was a fan of Jerry Seinfeld and had never seen him live. So they mm. went and they saw him and then Jerry Seinfeld said that guy came up to him and said, you know, I was, I was going to kill myself today. I really was. I was going to do it. And then my friend hit me up last minute about this ticket. And I'm so glad I came because, um, you made me feel so good. Like, I, I think I want to, you know, I want to keep living. I want to give like life is worth living, you know, Wow. just even oh. if, if it was just to laugh and I'm like, Whoa, like who, because it's like it's hard it's hard i mean especially now like with covid and all this stuff like depression and anxiety has like increased so much and comedy wasn't like available in the way it you know it was before where people could just go out and get that live thing and you know um but i'm i i respect it so much and it's like when i get on stage like it's an it's an honor it's a gift it's a privilege yeah you know so i definitely um you know i definitely understand and, and relate to that and i think that what we do matters it really does yeah it's essential we are essential (laughs) yeah Yeah. no truly really truly yeah yeah shit i know i guess i took it down a little bit (laughs) but yeah but that's the realness of it like comedy comes from reality yeah hey hype up a friend you got somebody that you really like that you're like oh i really love this person and maybe you would want us to interview them (laughs) um well Okay, well, one, well, I'll, I'll just hype her up anyway because she's one of my best friends. I mean, she's already done your show, I think, but Brie Geiger, I do. Oh yeah, she oh, hyped yes. you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I mean, I, I just, I gotta, I gotta hype my girl Brie. I mean, I've known her for like nine years. That's my home girl. She's one of my closest friends. She has like had my back in so many situations, and she's insanely like she's like savant level talented in like yes. so yeah. many things from improv to stand up to DJing to rapping to just writing. She's just an all around insane insanely creative talented person um so yeah if you don't know Brie Geiger definitely you know check her out she's amazing um something uh, we something we were saying about Brie like after after she left the interview um was about how she kind of she has this incredible ability to make other, the people around her funnier like both yes, Kate and yes. I expressed like oh gosh we were making funny jokes just by like <laughs> her energy was just like coming out and like mm-hmm. like oh it, it was yeah, yeah we were like touched by it <laughs> oh no absolutely absolutely she, she's phenomenal um uh another person that I would definitely like to hype up is my homegirl and she's actually gonna be um one of my openers is Heather Turman yes um I 
love Heather Turman. She's just one of those like comedians that is just, just so smart, so funny, so sweet. And she just like has one of the most bubbly energies like I've ever mm. been around. And I just I just highly respect her so much. And I've again known her for about eight, nine years. And she's always come through like for me in a lot of ways. And like we've just very supportive, good person and in very, very funny. Like that's like Heather's one of those people that it's like, you know, she'll just be talking to you like, hey, how's it going? And then she'll just like say like three hilarious things back to back. And you're like laughing. And then she's just like, oh, what's going on? It's like, girl, you know, you just did. You know what you just did, girl. <laughs> yeah, but no, Heather Turman's so freaking funny. I, I, uh, I just love her comedy and it's just so smart, but it's still so approachable, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you can catch her again opening for Chelsea this weekend uh, at Chelsea's. It what It's at... Um, um, yeah, it's at the Comedy Nook. Um, the Comedy Nook. Yeah, address 7456 Melrose Avenue. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, it's um, by Melrose and Gardner for those of you who are more intersection savvy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, that's where the venue is. And again, tickets are $25. We're doing doors at 7 30 show at 8 um heather is going to be one of my openers along with um some other great hilarious comedians and uh open bar it's going to be open bar all night hell yeah hell yeah yeah all right what is something that you haven't yet done in your comedy career that you are looking forward to like what's something that you're like oh yeah like when i get the opportunity to do x i'm gonna fucking do it um, for me, that is definitely performing a set on like television. Um, mm-hmm. I have yet, yeah, I've have yet, I haven't done a taped uh, stand up set like for a TV show or Hulu or anything like that. And like for me, I, I that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, just being able to like you know turn on like a TV or turn on a streaming service and like to see my stand up like that would be like ugh, just so amazing to me, you know. And I don't even care how long it is three minutes, five minutes, twenty minutes, whatever. I mean, I definitely, definitely am looking forward to that. And uh, you know, I'll, I'm, it'll happen in the right time. But yeah, yes, it yeah. Was. Do you, do you have like a like a late night host that you're like I would like to be on this one? Okay, I all right. This is this is like a little fantasy of mine. Uh, I don't even want to tell you this. I've never told anybody this. A little fantasy of mine for late night is I would love to do the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. But in my like dream, I dream that like Jimmy isn't there as the host. I love Jimmy. If he was <laughs> yeah. no, like I love Jimmy. By the way, Jimmy Fallon, you're so funny. I love you. I really do. Um, but I, in my dream, it's like the episode that I would come and do my stand-up set, I'm hoping that I feel like Jimmy wouldn't be there because he'd be like off busy doing Jimmy Fallon stuff or maybe mm-hmm. he's booked somewhere else and the guest host would be like Jay Leno, you know? <laughs> like, right, I know. Like, I, like, like, I just feel like, I was like, that would be awesome because I always was like, man, I would love to do the Tide Show. Um, obviously, this is when Jay Leno was still hosting, but I was like, what if it'd be cool if like I did the Tide Show and like, Jay Leno guest hosted because Jimmy like had something come up last minute that he had to do and they were like hey let's just bring Jay back for a day and then that's the episode that I do my yeah set on like oh I God. mean I know I know it sounds like so wild but I just that would be like my ultimate dream if that moment happened because just Jay Leno is just like he's the man you know he's the man I was like so funny yeah. <laughs> right. I love that your dream is like yeah like the ultimate like 90s you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah 90s comedian stand up like yes. I want that yeah, yeah yeah I mean you know and then he calls me to the couch and like and then he's having a flashback and then we have a banter and it's hilarious like that would be <laughs> uh, to, to banter with Jay Leno on the Tonight Show couch would be just 
the, that'd be it for me like i just yeah. uh i'd fall out no uh, after the interview of course you know <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah um uh, wild um okay and finally last question uh what's some advice do you have for comedians maybe just starting out or who are already in the throes of doing comedy um i'll give a two-part advice for like the starting out and then if you're in the throes if you're just starting out i would definitely recommend just getting up as much as possible like get on stage that's the advice that i got when i first started and always always record your sets you know Mm -hmm. because i think that like sometimes in the beginning when you're first and i did the same thing too when you first start on comedy you feel like you have to know like the process and how to write this and the order and all that but honestly I'm telling you, just get on stage. You got to get used to hearing your voice on the mic. You got to get used to like being on a stage and like moving around and stuff because it's a new habit that you have to get used to. And um, you got to record your sets because when you're on stage, you're just you're in one headspace, right? And you know, obviously, we all seen comedians perform, and then you have tags for them, right? Well, when you record your set, you listen back to it. Now you're able to be in that different headspace. You're like, oh, I I can do this and I can change that, and it's like. Whereas if you just perform and you don't record to listen back, like how are you going to that? It helps grow so much. Mm -hmm. The recording of my sets helped, I think, push me uh, further a lot uh, quicker because I was was, it was constantly a repetition of like listening and writing and listening, writing, performing, you know, Mm -hmm. so I would definitely recommend that. Um, yeah, and I think if you're, if you're in the throes of it and you've been doing it for a while and maybe you're a little, like, stuck or frustrated, I think, um, you know, try something different. I mean, like, for me, I took acting classes while I was out here. I, you know, maybe sometimes taking an improv class or even, like, getting out of town. I think sometimes when you've been doing it for a while and you're on the grind, you can just get into this zone and you can get overwhelmed. Um, but I definitely think anything to, like, break a pattern or break the headspace, because anything you do is going to feed back into your comedy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, making sure you're having new experiences and making sure you have a life you know like that is so crucial you, you know if you're just doing comedy all the time like what are you talking to people about you know if, if that's yeah. all you're putting your energy if you're, and and you know at a certain point I think you get past the point where you have to do it like five six times a night like I did when I first started and then it's like okay I can do it like maybe five six times a week and I can just make sure I'm up on my writing and then I can you know progress from there but you know I think the later the longer you've been doing it it's more about balance stellar (laughs) advice from a stellar person you're so funny you're so great super excited for off the game yeah super excited for you like yeah it's gonna be great Thank you, guys. And thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Oh, thank you so thank much for you. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. I was saying thanks for picking me up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. We had a nice little drive. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I can't, I like cannot wait to see what you do. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I feel like you're going to just, you're going to take off. Thank you. I, you know, I, I got my moon shoes. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but this has been amazing. And you guys are so sweet. And, and this has been so much fun. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm surprised I didn't cry this time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. Uh, well, you made me cry. So. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> uh, and Chelsea, where can we find you? Uh, yes. So I am on Instagram as um, at Chelsea G Comedy. So it's my it's at C-H-E-L-S-E-G Comedy. Um, and that is my handle for Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can actually buy tickets to my special taping off the cane uh, in my Instagram profile or on Eventbrite as well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you guys <laughs> so much. <laughs>
I'm so thankful that Chelsea was like down to come back because I, I'm so glad we got to kind of finish that interview and me too. And get the end of that and the end of that story about her best moment in comedy. Yes. Um, that's uh, beautiful. And so, and so true. Comedy really does like make it, make things better. Um, yeah, it really does. It's healing. It's so healing. Uh, You know, you know what else is healing? <laughs> when you support underrepresented people yeah. in podcasting. No, really. Heal heal the male dominated uh podcast world with uh your donations yes. to the Period Podcast Network. Ooh. <laughs> um, also leave a review for us. Um and uh, leave some leave some stars and a review on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, to enter into a chance to win Jackie Johnson's ass oil, Cookie Southern Ant ass oil. Yes, uh, it's a very very nice, very smells smells good. It smells good. Uh, Jackie Johnson product, uh, so it's vegan, um, which is very cool. And you know, I think it's just like. I don't know who doesn't want like a Jackie Johnson product, right? It's kind of novelty. It's fun to have and you don't have to pay for it. We're going to buy it for you. Yeah. All you have to do is uh, say a thing or two about our podcast. So easy, super easy. And then again, if you feel like tossing a few bucks to the period podcast, Patreon, um, that would be great. We also have a fundraiser that's going to be coming out, uh, December where that we're gearing up for, uh, and we'll be talking more about that as well uh, as the weeks come on here. But in the meantime, hey y'all, keep crushing it. Comedy Girl Crush was created by Nikki Urban, is edited by Kate Siegel, is produced by Kate Siegel, Mackenzie Mazel, and the Period Podcast Network. Our music is by Rena Hunter, and our artwork is by Ariel Alter.